Welcome to At the Table, a play reading series, brought to you by Charging Moose Media. We're releasing a mini-season of short 10-20 to 20 minute pieces produced during self-isolation. These readings are being captured using voice memos on smartphones. This week, we're performing The Very Furious Kugel by Claire Bierman. Be sure to also listen to our cast and playwright interview episodes to learn more about this piece and the people involved. Now let's meet our cast. I'm Michael Kostroff, I'm playing Isidore. And I'm Sherry Edelin, and I'm playing Kugel. Claire Bierman has a note at the beginning of the script that I particularly love, so I wanted to read it for you. This is a story inspired by the stories my dad used to tell me while I fell asleep or to wake me up in the mornings, or while walking to school, or while making stir-fry. The Very Furious Kugel, a Yiddish-ish fairy tale-ish by Claire Bierman. This play is set in Isidore's apartment in Flatbush, Brooklyn. You would not believe what I had happened to me yesterday. Many people would think that I am exaggerating, or even lying. They're very small-minded people. They will never understand that strange and magnificent things happen every single day because strange and magnificent things don't happen to sardines like them. But they happen to me, as they did yesterday, because I am not a sardine. Yesterday, as I was toasting a piece of bread for a light breakfast, I heard a knock from inside the refrigerator. I didn't think much of it, as I often hear things before having eaten, but there it came again. I worried that your grandmother's kugel leftovers from the night before may have somehow fallen over. So I went to the refrigerator and I opened it. And this is where you would never believe what I was looking at. The kugel dish was empty. But at the bottom of the refrigerator, a small woman made of kugel was banging on the door. She was less than a foot tall and she was soft, puddingy kugel from her hair to her skirt to her Mary Janes. She even wore a scarf of an egg noodle around her little kugel head. And then she started to yell at me. Oi, Gavalt, Isidore, what's wrong with you? I've been banging on the, the wall for hours. This was jarring for a few reasons. First of all, she was a kugel. Second of all, no one calls me Isidore. Of course, your, your great-grandmother called me Isidore, but uh, when someone calls me Isidore, it makes me feel like I'm in trouble. And I don't appreciate that at my age. Anyway, I was so surprised. I was struck dumb. Do you know what that means yet? It means I was so surprised that I couldn't talk. Not that it mattered, because she just kept talking. You've ruined my whole entrance. Well done, schmuck. I don't have to tell you kids that everything she has said so far has been very rude. But then she changed. She was still rude, but suddenly her voice boomed like thunder, and her little raisin eyes narrowed and flamed with hate. And when she shouted this time, I felt it in the very pit of my stomach like the drop on a roller coaster. Isadore, mortal fool! You have lived a life far too indulgent and must now pay the consequence of excruciating and unending living penance. Ah, uh, a life of indulgence? I thought this was funny because while I am certainly comfortable, I hardly think of myself as a person so indulgent that I must be punished. I mean, I was eating toast. 
dry toast because Dr. Hammer says my cholesterol is highly precarious. And of course, one word from Dr. Hammer and Sarah buys the heart-healthy butter replacement. Ugh, I'd rather eat it dry. Anyway, eventually, I gathered my thoughts enough to respond to the little woman. Why is a kugel talking to me? And she said, A kugel? I am not a kugel. I'm a divic. I'm a malevolent spirit in eternal unrest here to wreak havoc on your soul. Which I thought was very bad news. Now, I know a thing or two about the Dybbuk. At summer camp, even when I was a kid, I was the one who could tell the scariest ghost stories, many of them involving the horrifying Dybbuk. Your mother went to the same camp in Mattatuck. I always thought you would have liked it, canoes and whatnot. I mean, it would obviously be very different now. You used to be able to get away with anything. <laughs> one time, these older boys dragged me to the boathouse and locked me in there with and I am not pulling your leg, about a dozen geese. How they trapped the geese, I'll never know. How they trapped me in there, well, it was because they were bigger and stronger. And so they shoved me in, slammed the door, and then it's just pitch black, and I'm just starting to pound on the door when I hear a honk and a flap and a peck. And I turn around real slow, and then, well, you know geese are pretty territorial, and they've got, not teeth exactly, but burrs in their mouth. They're sharp, even if they're not teeth. And you get a dozen or so of them in the little boathouse, and they've all got these wingspans like pterodactyls. Math was not in my favor. I was not such a wise ass after that. Very cautious around the lake. <laughs> it was totally inappropriate. <laughs> but it, it was very funny. But, oh, no, no, not acceptable by today's standards. <laughs> but, oh, but as I was saying, there I was with the kugel woman. And then I had another thought. If you're a demon, why do you appear to be made entirely of my wife's leftover noodle kugel? And she replied, That is because I appear to everyone as, as the, the thing, thing that they fear most. And for you, well... It must be your wife's leftover noodle kugel. I thought that was interesting because I don't think I'm afraid of my wife's leftovers. In fact, I think I enjoy them very much. The thing I'm most afraid of must be something psychological having to do with the kugel. For example, perhaps what I fear is food waste. But she was already shouting again. Tremble before me as a door and quake as you gaze into the eyes of evil incarnate. Funny, you don't look like evil incarnate. You know what, Isidore? You're being a prick. And that's exactly why you deserve this, you prick. Well, if I caused this in some way, I would like to know why. So sue me. I can't sue you, Isidore. I don't exist. You don't exist? I exist. I exist. I, I misspoke. Obviously, I exist. I'm here. You're talking to me. I exist. But I can't sue you. Oh. I guess that's good news. That's where you are incorrect. No more good news. I am going to torment you for the rest of your life. Now that is not good news. But it could be worse as I am very old and likely to have very little life left for her to torment. 
Of course, when I mentioned this to her, she was not thrilled. You're not that old. You still have plenty of life for me to make miserable. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't so, but look at me. My hands are, eh, and my hair is, ah, and my shoulders are, uh, and I didn't used to make any of these sounds, so yes, I think I am old. Isidore, do you want to know how old I am? Sure. I'm over 800 years old. No. I'm 849 years old. So don't talk to me about your shoulders. And you've been a Dybbuk that whole time? Not at all. For the first 40 or so years, I was alive, just like you. I lived in what would become Kiev, along a trade route in the mountains. And I was a woman of some importance, not a Dybbuk. The reason for this was that my husband was a highly respected tailor. And also because I made very beautiful and lifelike scarecrows. They wouldn't be so popular anymore. People find them unsettling, such as the passage of time. I was very happy, but... One night, I had an incredibly vivid dream. I was standing at the edge of an enormous body of water, waves crashing, and a bird flew down and landed on my head. Seems simple enough, but when I woke up, I knew it was a sign that I needed to travel to the Bering Sea. So I packed up, said goodbye to my husband, and hit the road. Only problem was that about four hours into my journey, my donkey kicked me in the head and I died instantly. It's not such a bad way to go if you have the choice. But apparently, I still had what we in the business refer to as unfinished business, and I've been making the rounds ever since. Ooh, whenever you make it to the Bering Sea, you'll be free. Ooh, what a concept. Only 800 years wandering the planet, and it never crossed my mind to pay the Bering Sea a visit. So it sounds like you've been? Sure, it's nice. But it doesn't seem to be why I'm here. Hard to imagine what I could still have unfinished at this point. It's ironic. You're the one who's supposed to be getting haunted. But it's no treat for the one doing the haunting. What does that make me? It makes me old, for one thing. Very old. And very tired. Even if it's not your unfinished business, the Bering Sea sounds nice. Tell me, what was a renaissance like? You meet Michelangelo? Eh, what's to say? You know how the years start to fade together. I think I appeared to him as a giant scorpion. Oh, that's scary. You're very good at your job. It's a living. But you're dead. <laughs> you get it? Because she was an undead demon. <laughs> what a strange thing for her to say. She didn't like that joke. I think she thought I was taking another crack at her, which I definitely didn't mean to do. At this point, I really believe this demic. Why would she lie? And then I thought of another question. If you're a 2,000-year-old demon and not a leftover kugel, why is the kugel pan empty? And she said, I ate that noodle kugel, and that's why the pan is empty. Oh, this made me mad, because I wanted to eat the leftover kugel for an early lunch, and she hadn't even left me one bite. And when I get mad, unfortunately, I can make very rash decisions. I shouted, that's it! 
You'll pay for not leaving me even a fork full in the pan. I'm going to eat the leftover kugel whether or not it has been turned into a lonely, wandering refrigerator spirit. What was I supposed to do? I was stuck in there for hours before you dragged your lazy tuchus down to the kitchen, and I was starving. And furthermore, I am not a kugel. I am your endless nightmare, Isidore. Your cursed undoing, Isidore. Your wretched torment, Isidore. I am a dip. I ate her head right off. I'm not proud to say it. Chewed it up and swallowed while the rest of her body watched. I didn't like her calling me that name. Oh, if I thought she was mad before. She fought her way right out of my hands and fell on the floor of the refrigerator again, next to the apples. Then she grabbed one of the Granny Smiths and plunked it right onto her neck. Then she shouted at me. Now look what you've done. I hope you're happy. You know what? I'm done with you, Isidore. Have a nice life. I might be haunted by my unfinished business, but I am altogether finished with my business with you. And she walked out of the refrigerator climbed up those drawers there, across that counter, and up and out the sink window. She just left. And that is why there is no Google left over for you. The Dybbuk ate it, and then she left. Go figure. End of play. At the Table, a play reading series is produced by Charging Moose Media. Our artistic director and senior producer is Rachel Flynn. Editor is Ned Donovan. Associate producer is Megan Bagala. Music is by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Special thanks to our playwright Claire Bierman and our cast Michael Kostroff and Sherry Edelin. Be sure to tune in to our cast interview and playwright interview episodes where you can learn more about the team behind this piece. You can find us on social media at At The Table Plays. Please connect with us. See you next time.